everyone, and welcome to A Nightmare on Fear Street. A monstrous podcast about all things horror. If you like what you hear today, then you can follow us on all of the usual socials or subscribe to our Patreon for bonus content and merch. You can find all of that by visiting us at allmylinks.com backslash A Nightmare on Fear Street or in our episode descriptions wherever you're listening to this podcast at. All right, everyone. Today we're covering Friday the 13th, part two with Joshua Conkle. Welcome, Josh. Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Good to see you. I'm so happy to have you here. Like, you've been on this guest list forever. Um, oh. Like, since season one, I was like, if we know what we're doing and we get our shit together, I think Josh will say yes. And well, so- look, I clearly don't have my shit together. I was 10 <laughs> minutes late for this recording because I couldn't get the time differences right. So I'm not, I'm not like a person to defer to in any sense. <laughs> it gave us 10 more minutes to get more of our shit together. And so okay, you're just really good. giving us that grace. Oh, and we've got to talk drag race. So we're good. Yeah. I was just like at breakfast with my boyfriend and I was like, I have to record this thing at um, noon, which is, you know, like 1 p.m. Central time. And he's like, Josh, no, it's not. (laughs) That's that's only an hour. And I was like, oh, God. ah." So I like ran here. So I'm um, a little discombobulated. And for that, I apologize. It's the perfect movie to be discombobulated for as I have sirens serenading me through my window. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, this is our special Friday 13th episode because we did the first one last year and I said a bunch of things and then I watched this one and it's another Friday 13th so I can unsay a lot of things I said. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i i saw some of the notes for this episode too and i'm I'm afraid this is like going to be like defending your life or something because i love this movie so much and i feel like i might be alone <laughs> I, I think it's one of the better ones in the franchise i do okay. yeah maybe the best you're not yeah. alone because i my my first rewatch as an adult watching this movie i really didn't like it and then i rewatched it this time and i was like okay wait hold on okay. i'm just being a bitter betty and I enjoyed it more. It's th- this franchise isn't my favorite, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's where I come at it. Okay. Weirdly enough, this is not my franchise, but it's also where I got my aesthetic. Like when I want to relax, I want to see like forty-year-olds playing fifteen-year-olds at summer camp catching axes to torso. <laughs> that's how I unwind. <laughs> yeah, I come out of uh, so I, my thing is that I don't think franchises are good, and I, I don't like really any of them. This is probably my favorite, but it's only just it's really just for nostalgia reasons. You know, I'm a child of the eighties. So for me, it's really about the hairdos and the clothes and like the aesthetic beats of these movies rather than the movies themselves. Um, Yeah. Same. All right. But before we get into Friday the 13th part two, we're going to get to Mm -hmm. know Josh a little bit because this is your first time on fear street. Mm -hmm. So we start here with everyone. Number one, what is your favorite scary movie? So I've thought about this a lot, and it, and like um, a lot of your guests, I'm sure it's hard to narrow it down. But if I'm being honest, my favorite one, the comfort one, the one that I return to the most, is Rosemary's Baby. Um, it's got killer interior design. It's very fashionable. Those are things that I love as a queer person. The acting is incredible. He's he's very problematic for obvious reasons, but Polanski just directed the shit out of this movie. It's kind of like a perfect movie. It's not very scary, but I don't need it to be. You know, it just hits all the beats for me. Yeah, I love it. That's a good one. It's a good one for sure, for sure. So what is your horror origin story? What got you started in the genre? I don't remember a time when I didn't love horror movies. But when I think back, the earliest memories I have of the genre, besides like Scooby-Doo and kind of like kid-friendly um, spooky things, 
is so I was born in 1981. So my whole life has been like the rise and fall of the video store. And, uh, and I have these memories of like probably 85 of being a very small kid. And my family was really poor. And a lot of people don't remember this, but um, VCRs were incredibly expensive. And so most people who were lower middle class or lower couldn't afford them. So you could actually rent the VCR at the video store as well. And it came in like a plastic briefcase. And then, you know, I, I didn't have a dad. So like my mom would like, it would take hours for her to figure out how to hook it up to the TV. <laughs> and so I have really early memories of watching horror movies that way with my brother and sister. And I'm not sure which came first, but I have memories of watching Taurus Trap that way. And because my mom had seen it at the drive-in in the 70s and said it was really scary. And also seeing Children of the Corn that way, which at the time was a, a new movie. So yeah, one of those two things was my first horror movie. And I just have, the genre feels really warm to me. It's like putting a blanket around myself. It's like comforting. And I still get scared, but I, I like being scared because it makes me feel like a little kid at a sleepover with cousins or something, you know, like you're daring yourself to watch this scary thing. So for me, it's like pleasurable to be scared. Love it. Love it. All right. So everyone, plug any project you have coming up and or social media you would like the listeners to follow you at. Okay. Well, I co-host uh, with my friend Drusilla Adeline, a weekly horror podcast called Blood House. And House is spelled H-A-U-S, where we talk about art house horror films, but like in a funny, unpretentious you know, casual way. Um, so that drops every Monday and it's super fun. And as for my social media, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at Joshua Conkle. I, I really love Bloodhouse. I just need to Aww. like stress that. Thank um, you. Thank you so much. I love your show too. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. <laughs> no, I, I was listening to, I think it was the episode on the devils a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago. I don't yeah. know time, yeah. <laughs> but I was kind of like <laughs> laughing and I felt like I was at this brunch and I was like, oh my God, is this a new show I love? Yeah, Drusilla is so, I mean, Drusilla is only, you know, she's 15 years younger than I am. She's seen every movie. She's so smart, but also funny. Um, she does, she's an incredibly gifted designer. She does all the uh, poster designs for like A24 and Blumhouse and she's oh, wow. legit. And she's just like the raddest person on earth. She's a trans woman. I'm queer and I'm non-binary. So we have that aspect, even though it's not the lens of our show. Um, so yeah, if you like Nightmare on Fear Street, you'll probably like Bloodhouse too. Love yes. it, love it. No, I, I really, really do love the blend of knowledge because like you actually study these movies, but you yeah. also make it fun. And it's movies we don't talk about. So it'll be like, oh, this is on Shutter, so I'm going to watch it. But I have no context for what was happening and why yeah. it's cool something. <laughs> we felt like these movies deserved some love. I think there's like a lot of resentment in the horror fandom towards movies partially because of like that term elevated horror, which is such a shitty term, but there's also just kind of a streak of anti-intellectualism in the horror fandom. And I think part of it is because we all spend so much time defending this genre um, and why we love it, that there's kind of this punk rock mentality uh, in the community where, where you want to defend, you know, ghoulies three, and then also be like the witch is the worst, most boring movie I've ever seen. And so we love a lot of these movies. We are both people who watch horror movies broadly. We love trashy horror movies. We love a 24. And so we just kind of wanted to help people not feel so hung up on these movies being insulting to their intelligence or anything like that. Like they're, they're really good movies. Some of them are boring. Some of them we don't like, some of them we love and we want to defend. And it's just about having fun 
Um, but partially it's because these the subject wasn't taken yet. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's like a niche horror show for every single thing. And we're like, what's not taken? <laughs> Listen, it's hard out here. Yeah, um, I know. We're all hustling. So, yeah. Love it. All right. Well, let's get into Friday the 13th part two. Yeah. Part I mean, just generally, I think that this is hands down the best Friday the 13th by a country mile. I think if you ask people what their favorite Friday is, they're going to say one of three things. They're going to say this one, they're going to say four, the final chapter, or they're going to say six, Jason lives all for different reasons. I think they all tap different audiences. I really like the first two movies a lot. I think the first one is like, at the time it was considered so trashy, but by today's standards, it's like a Fellini movie. Like it has, (laughs) it has like audition (laughs) monologues in it. It has like character development such as it is, but but two kind of bridges the gap nicely between one and like the trashy sort of mm-hmm. kitsch experience you're about to get in the following sequels because it has real character development. Amy Steele is a really wonderful actress. She's one of the best Friday, you know, certainly the best Friday final girl. And for my money, one of the best final girls ever because she's such a winsome actor. And you know, it's really well crafted. I have this book sitting next to me called Master Shots, which is a filmmaking book that has like, quote unquote, master shots from movies. And it'll show the shot and explain why it's considered a master shot and then show you how it's made. And it has two shots from Friday the 13th part two in it. It's just a really well crafted movie. It's demerits, I think, come from the pressure to tie it to the first movie. If, it, if this were just a standalone slasher without that element, it would be considered one of the best slashers of all time, I'm convinced, up there with Black Christmas and Halloween. Yeah, so I just think it's a it's a baller Friday the 13th movie. It's my favorite. And yeah, that's all I have to say about that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I second that because I thought I saw this one as a child, but it turns out people were lying to me about all the sequels because they couldn't count. And so I, yeah. I saw a lot of movies that I had not seen. Um, And when I was watching this last year, it was after we had done the first one. And I was like, I'm bitter. We left Mrs. Voorhees and now Jason's magical. It can never die. What is this bullshit? People hate women. And I watched it. I'm like, oh, but this one's actually kind of good. So like, it is good. It yeah. has really great pacing. Um, this is the only one that I that for me is actually got some scares in it. Yeah. This one scares me. Like I always think of the movie, the scene in Mean Girls when they're watching Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, and it's the shot where Amy Steele is trying to close two doors at once, and her body is kind of stretched out, and then Jason comes through the window behind her, and they all jump. I mean, it's really well crafted. It's got some actual scares in it, and I don't think you know the movies that follow. I don't think are actually interested in scaring you as much as they are about like kind of grossing you out and being campy. And, and, and I like, I don't have a judgment against that. I, you know, I like what those are doing too, but they're just, they're not interested in that. Like this one is. Yeah. I think that for me, going back to Sheree talking about that, Jason turns into this magical creature that can never die in this film. Cause I think I was getting that mixed up too with this film. And in this one, he doesn't feel that way. I mean, no. Jenny gets in some good shots on him and like kicks him in the in the nuts at one point, and like he falls down a lot. He feels very well, human. human. Yeah, well, he is human, and they they in fact talk about him. I mean, they use the R word, but they yeah. they talk about him. he's coded as being developmentally disabled in some way, and that's what makes him sort of dangerous because you don't he doesn't know he's like a he's like a overgrown child right like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's sca- scared in a way and he's been living in the woods as like a feral child so 
yeah, he he is alive and, and grounded in the way that the Jason isn't in the following movies. Um, and to me, that makes him scarier. Even though yeah. I don't know, like, he, is he so developmentally disabled that he doesn't think to cut two holes into his burlap sack? Like, why does only one eye get a hole? <laughs> like, I was like, work Where's smarter, not harder, Jason. Like, you yeah. <laughs> We don't. Maybe maybe his eyesight isn't twenty twenty, y'all. I mean, maybe well, when he's he got jumps, one good eye, and one bad. When eye. He, when, yeah, when he jumps through the window at the end, you do see that like one eye is kind of fucked up. So maybe he doesn't see through that eye. I don't know. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no but I, one of my notes was definitely that like I like Jason being a person. I like him not being this like thing that we can't kick around a little bit or like fight back on because I think yeah. that's scarier. Like one of the reasons I go up for the strangers is because at the end of it, it's like, why you do this? Because you were home. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't scary. need magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's why people hate Halloween too, is because the the reveal that Michael Myers is Jamie Lee's sister kind of undoes what's scary about the first movie, which is that it's just totally random. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where the fear lives. And I want yeah. more of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched um, these movies recently with my boyfriend who hadn't seen them and he really liked the first two. And then we went to a screening of Halloween, of uh, sorry, Friday the 13th part four. And I could feel him next to me just hating it. Like I could, <laughs> hate was radi- radiating off of his body. <laughs> the energy. Yeah. And yeah. so I started to watch the movie through his eyes and I was like, oh, I Oh, I kind of get it. Like, it's very mean spirited. It's very gross. It's pretty misogynistic, but I can't see it because of my nostalgia glasses, you know? But it made me think, like, oh, if these movies were coming out today and I have the taste that I have now as a 40 year old in 2022, I bet that I would hate these movies. You know what I mean? Like, I yeah. only like them for nostalgia. I can't really see them objectively. They wouldn't, they wouldn't work today. I even have a note about like, at some point watching this film, I was like, oh, all these tropes that I'm so tired of seeing and they're not doing anything interesting with them. And I was like, wait a second. When this came out, they weren't necessarily overused tropes. You know what they I mean? They were new, like, yeah. They were kind of new in this way, especially and this, to a mainstream audience. Totally. So and this like, is okay. from 1981, which is like the year of the slasher. You got more slashers that year than any other year. And so... Um, I actually just this week in preparation for this watched a Roger and Ebert or Siskel and Ebert, Ebert rather um, special from 81 that was all about them like hand wringing about the genre because they felt like it was incredibly misogynistic. They really worried about the implications of how popular these movies were with young people and what that said about feminism. And, and yeah, they were really worried about it, which in one way feels sort of sweet now you know (laughs) you're like you know like but i think that they're right i they they are misogynistic they are sort of you know problematic by our um 2022 glasses but it's also like another part of me is like so what you know you can't really hold movies from 1981 accountable to the standards of today yeah especially when we have movies coming out today that are much worse because i mean (laughs) <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> we have this girl and like the camera lives for her ass that can't be covered by her jean shorts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, is it worse than what we just saw happen with Harley Quinn in the first Suicide Squad movie? <laughs> yeah, I don't it? know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I, oh, and her crop top that came just right below the boob line. Just right, right. below. Oh, well, yeah. Right? And, and so she lifts her arms. She's flashing the whole everybody. <laughs> Listen, like if that's how you live, girl, live your life. But also, right. I, I just feel like... 
I like we, we like to wring our hands at things we don't like, which is usually the horror genre. Yeah. And then when it happens to something that's more mainstream, we're like, oh no, that's fine. What are you talking or, about? Or music videos, even, you know? <laughs> like we give that a pass, but then it's it's okay for music videos, but not okay for a genre movie or or vice versa. Or like whatever it is that you like, you want to elevate it in some yeah, way. Yeah, well, especially if that music video is made by a male artist. If it's made by a female artist, we're gonna right. we're gonna criticize the hell out of it. I grew up in the 90s. And so like the term video ho was a real term because it was everywhere. But like when Cardi B is like WAP, we're like, oh no, that's disgusting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm like, what's the difference? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Didn't VH1 have like a show video hoes that like, I don't know, was like a reality thing? I don't remember. Maybe I'm misreading that. I'm pretty sure they did. And I, I also remember this random like basic cable channel that had a TNA matinee. And they would play all of the like comedies from the 80s where it was like yeah. girls washing cars. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is I grew up, I mean, I was raised by USA up all night. So mm. I was watching this or I was watching Bikini Car Wash. Like these are the movies that raised me. And I'm a very, pro- you know, proud, progressive, queer person. And so I kind of always am reconciling those things. And you know, I recently tweeted about watching this movie Angel, which was from 1984, and it's about a teenage sex worker, but it's like a mm-hmm. warm-hearted comedy. And I got attacked by TERFs who called me like a pedophile for watching this movie. And so, I don't know, I, I feel like I hold an appreciation for these problematic old movies while also understanding what is problematic about them. You know, and it's not that I'm forgiving them. I'm just watching them in the context of the time that they were made and appreciating what's good about them. You know, like queer people have to do that all the time. That's why queer people love sleepaway camp, you know, even though it's homophobic and transphobic. Um, Extremely. Yeah. (laughs) For the first time, like this week. (gasps) Oh, my God. What did you think of sleepaway? I know this is not about sleepaway camp, but I love that movie so much. I was so torn because like it, it's my nostalgia factor because I grew up watching kids go to the camps and get patches yeah. to the chest. And so I'm like, oh yeah, this is fun. But also like, I think the reveal, I didn't know the reveal was the last moment. I knew it was yeah. coming, so I embraced myself. Yeah. I thought there'd be a dialogue or something after and it's like, no dick out, face forward. And I'm like, oh! Like panting like a dog. I will say, you know, as a very old queer, I'm 41. When I saw Sleepaway Camp, I I was like five or six. You know, I was very young. It was when the movie was new. And on VHS, I had a sleepover, I'm sure. And even though I understood that the movie was making fun of me and that the room of people I was in was making fun of me, it was still one of the only representations I ever saw of a queer Mm -hmm. person at all. So at, even though it's a problematic representation, at least I was there. You know what I mean? Like it was so rare that that's the best I could get in 1986 or whatever it was. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. I, the, the one thing I remember about that movie, besides the reveal, is the um, beehive and the or the wasp. The, something oh, in the bathroom. Oh yeah, he's taking a shit and they drop a beehive on him. <laughs> <laughs> also live for the villain of the movie oh i forgot her name but she judy. was just judy she has she a has... t-shirt with her own name on it that's so baller <laughs> she has the best lines and this actor was like i have the best lines i'm not gonna try and act i'm the I'm winner up. yeah <laughs> here i am right that's every a, yeah, insult i would cackle and be like oh no i'm the bitch what? yeah um, Even in today's like, standards, I feel like if you just cut that ending reveal, it's great. She's like, she's a carpenter's dream, flat as a board and needs a screw. That's the one! <laughs> it's so awful and amazing. That's the, 
that's when I was like, Judy's gonna die an awful death, but I'm here for her. I am <laughs> noting this. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I love yeah. Uh, but okay, so back to this movie. I mm-hmm. I wanna talk about the intro because okay. I this was the one part of the movie that I probably had the most issue with. Cause like number one, did they really not think we remembered the first movie? <laughs> did they really <laughs> need to re-show me the last 10 minutes of this movie with and then like give uh, what's the final girl's name Alice. from that? Alice. Alice. And give Alice like a terrible death. Like she just doesn't even just, oh she's dead. Like, okay, yeah. Moving on. <laughs> she had limited time on she had a stalker at the time. In real oh. life, the actress, uh Adrian King, had like a really bad stalker situation. So she wasn't sure that she wanted to do the movie. But then they what they they did the best that they felt they could do, I guess, was that you know they had one weekend with her alone, and she said that it was like a really bad experience because she's the only actor, you know, and it's not a lot of fun when you're like the only person. Right. So it's just two days of her in this boring apartment with them throwing a cat at her and her opening a fridge a hundred times. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I feel like it wasn't a very good experience with her. But that's what I mean. Like the only demerits of this movie really are them trying to tie it to the first movie. Yeah, no, because I, I I felt bad for her because I'm like, she's just here as a vehicle for us to have the flashbacks. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of want her outfit because I look really good in green, but I don't think that's, <laughs> that's her Oshkosh Pagosh realness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's it like, honestly, I'm a high school kid. Yeah. Right. It honestly, like, not nearly as bad, but it felt like I was watching Halloween Resurrection and I was like, okay, you're just going to do this to your final girl? Like, yeah, you're just going to just... <sighs> I rebuke that. I rebuke that. I bind you, Nancy. (laughs) I bind you from causing harm. (laughs) I so I was watching this last night with Jazz with all that scary, and we were noticing like the random Norman Bates of it all, which I never would have thought. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because, like, clearly he's got a mom issue because he has the head in the sweater over there. So we get that reveal like we do in Psycho. And even right. some of the music cues. Yes, the music is like the sweeping sort of strings. Like, bam, bam, bam. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like there's something in horror that's like, there's like some sort of son-mother thing anyways that's like Oedipal. I feel like Jung would have something to say about it, but I'm not smart enough to know what that is. Um, <laughs> it feels like elemental in some way, right? It's kind of like how all children's stories are about orphans because there's something about like kids wanting to live that fantasy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it feels like somewhere in that territory. and I feel like I'm not quite smart enough to know why, but yeah. Same. Yeah. It just, it made me kind of happy because we watched the original Psycho and the remake mm-hmm. and clearly we were all on the side of the original. And of so course. I was like, <laughs> why couldn't we have just had that and then had this and been like, clearly it's kind of the same, y'all. Sort of like Hamlet has been done in like The Lion King and Star Wars and everything else. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're good. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, it's like an archetypical yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, I know that you mentioned this earlier, Josh, but I just want to make this statement about the whole franchise of Friday the 13th. I will say one of the things, for the most part, that they are consistent with is pacing. The pacing mm-hmm. that these films always feel on point. Like, there's never, well, till we get to like Jason Takes Manhattan, then there's some moments I'm like, I'm okay, I'm going to go off the rails a little bit. Can we move on, please? That's yeah. when my rewatch stopped because I saw that one as a kid a lot, and I was watching all of these, and I've started and stopped. Jason goes to Manhattan like five times this last month. Yeah, <laughs> that one and beyond, I just can't, I can't fuck with. I mean, even Jason X, people love for like the camp element, but for me, it's like a, it's like a do not pass go. 
it's either Watchmen for Adler, but yeah. But there's a lot of horror fans that don't like slashers at all because even if the pacing is good, you know you know what's coming. You know what the beats of a slasher movie are the beats of a slasher movie, no matter what you do with them. Even if you're scream and you're kind of commenting on them, you're still doing them, right? So once you know that, it can be very boring for some people. The people who love slashers love those beats and they want them, you mm-hmm. know, sort of in the same way that romance readers want their romance novel to be in a certain they want the the they want the beats. That's what they're there yeah. for. So yeah. you're either for that or you're not. Um yeah. Yeah, I'm on I'm on I'm in the slasher camp. I love them. Me I too. Love I love them too. I love them too. It's what I grew up on. Like a yeah. lot of kids had like Nickelodeon and I had like Jason and Michael Myers and it was a good <laughs> yeah. time. Same. Yeah, same. I even love the shitty ones. I'm like, this is still fun. Get to watch even movies. like Ta-da. um Nightmare on Elm Street, which is like more creative yes. and kind of postmodern and very stylish. It's still a slasher movie. It's still got oh, these beats, yeah. you know. Yeah. No, it's why we're all obsessed with Freddy because we're just like he's a slasher with a glove. Let's see. yeah. <laughs> well, I think that's something that we do get today in a lot of slashers is they they do use the same plot points and the same kind of trajectory, but they do it in a way that's different and somewhat creative. There's always something that's like does something yeah. different. I feel um, like it post Scream. We're in an we're still in a time when people are trying to subvert the slasher a little bit, but it's still like you're still doing it. Even if you're right. commenting on it, you're still doing it. That's why I don't like franchises. Is like I think you know, Scream is probably the strongest franchise overall, but you can't catch lightning in a bottle, you know. Like I think Scream 2 is an amazing sequel, but it's not as good as Scream. It's always diminishing returns no matter how well you do. Yeah. No, I People try and make Scream 2 sound like it's better than Scream 1, and I'm just no, not here for not. that slander. Um, <laughs> like, the first one is the first one is gold, and yeah, it's a solid franchise. There is not a bad time to be had with Scream, even though we have our least favorites. Yeah. And we just don't talk about them. <laughs> we all go back through them. Like, we all watch them every year, and we're all oh, like, oh, sure. yeah, here comes yeah. the brother. What? Scream, the original Scream feels as fresh today as it did the day that it came out. And none of the 100%. other ones feel that way, including Scream 2022. Like, I was like, this doesn't feel that fresh. I thought it was fun, but I, I and I liked it, but I was like, this doesn't feel as fresh as the first Scream movie. <laughs> yeah, Scream is another one that I did. I just have to admit that it is a lot of nostalgia for me. That whole franchise is, that's why it's my favorite. It's why I will always go to bed yeah. for it because it's just so... It is my childhood. It is what I watch. It's what I literally, I can quote the entire, almost the entire first film and most yeah. of the sequels. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's the strongest franchise overall, but yeah, I think whatever era you come into the genre during is what you're going to be nostalgic for. Right. So for yeah. me, that's the eighties and yeah. these in Friday the 13th, you know, I don't think that they're good movies um, <laughs> except for the first two. And but that doesn't matter. It's it's like again, it's about the aesthetic things. It's about those haircuts like. and those clothes right. and that music and the feeling of it and the way the film looks from that era. And it's all it's all of those things. Yeah. It's whatever brings you joy when you watch a film. I mean, not everyone is gonna agree on every on every movie. And yeah. that's not to mean that like you're wrong. You know what I mean? Like it just means that's, that's why it was such a weird experience to watch part four with my boyfriend with fresh eyes. Cause I was like, Oh right. This movie is shitty. Like <laughs> it's 
so mean-spirited it's so misogynistic and i just like couldn't see those things because i grew up watching it all the time i don't even you know which one four right. is four is the one with um cory feldman as yeah. little oh boy. yeah and they have the, the, the yeah. so-called final chapter even though there's 10 more sequels <laughs> right. coming. i will say at least that one does have some male nudity in it which I it's do pretty appreciate. good and Kristen glover is really cute in that um, right yeah right um yeah. <laughs> no but yeah i i also kind of anti-franchise because like we get i i kind of like child's play because at one point mancini's just like we're gonna have fun now yeah <laughs> i'm yeah. just gonna have fun it's what it is and they're like we're gonna reboot it and we were all like no and they're like sorry I'm not like, I, I want to make it clear that I'm not like super snobby. I'm not like anti-franchise, but, um, but do I think, do I think, do I sometimes wish we lived in a world where Halloween was just an amazing movie from 1978 that we left alone and we all revered like it was Citizen Kane? Yeah, mm-hmm. I do actually wish that sometimes. And I do think that bad sequels kind of diminish the legacy of an amazing original movie but that being said there's plenty of sequels in the world that i love such as friday the 13th part two and i'm sorry if i'm like leading us off topic so much i'm on a lot of cold medicine this is every episode we couldn't find a topic if you paid us so one of my i i think this is why friday the 13th just isn't my favorite franchise or isn't one that i go back to a lot and and it it really is i think a, a product of its when it came out because it is very this is very much a late 80s or late 70s 80s slasher yeah. to where I don't feel like there is like the characters all feel really flat like they do have a character like there is some development but like not a ton no, no. one's really interesting and no one's really like giving me complex thought <laughs> They just feel I, like cannon fodder for Jason to murder. I would like, push back on Jenny. I think Jenny's a really well fleshed out character. I, yes, really well I even, I met, on my notes here, I say, you know, in the last 30 minutes, I know very little about any of these characters. And, you know, Jenny's the exception, but even for a protagonist, though. But that's just slashers. I mean, I would, again, push back a little bit because I agree with you, but I also think this movie still has better characterizations than most slashers and most Friday the 13th movies. I mean... Oh, yes. This is, I can this think, is... like, the the slashers that have better characters, I think, are Halloween, Black Christmas, Scream. Maybe that's it. Like, I <laughs> I can't think of... I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, maybe. Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, it's not it's not what slashers are known for. That is fair. I, I think, yeah, I think I just come at it, because once again, I come into the franchise in the 90s with Scream. With Scream, and, which is so good at that. And everything post-Scream, which I really think they were trying to, even though <laughs> with varied effect right. <laughs> or varied um, uh, results. But I do think they were trying to give us some kind of like, interesting characters happening in the 90s and early aughts but yeah like, well the 90s are are pretty sleepy decade for horror to be honest because nothing was really happening until scream i mean at least in the united states there's really cool like french things and stuff like that happening but in the united states it's a kind of a boring decade until scream shows up and then it's all it's really all just one person it's just kevin williamson so he's an amazing writer and he's great at characters and dialogue <laughs> and it, yeah if you like kevin williamson it's great but it's like that's all that's really happening in the nineties is one yeah. guy's point of view. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and in the defense of this film, really quick, I will say this is the best film of this franchise that gives characterization. I will give yes. that because there are very distinct archetypes in this. They're just not very complex, but they are there. And, then the and next, results and the vary film. depending on the actor. Like Tom McBride, who plays Mark, is really good. The guy in the wheelchair. You know, like there are some actors that are better than others in this movie. Um, and by the way, Tom McBride was so hot. Um, yes. And... Uh, <laughs> Every he was gay was too. He, I think, I believe he he died of AIDS. Unfortunately, um, he yeah, was a, in, he was a gay man in '95, I believe. Yeah, super hot. And Scott was super hot too. Scott was a model um, before doing this. Is he the one with the hat, Jeff? Scott is the one who has the slingshot and is following around Terry. Yeah, uh, Terry and Muffin. <laughs> My favorite Every character, thing? Muffin, was attractive. Every single one of them. I'm not turning yeah. him. <laughs> no, like I. One of the things Friday Thirteenth was doing right in this particular part of the franchise was only casting hot men, and yeah. so I was lied to about what camp was going to be, and I was yeah. very miserable. When I had to go to camp. <laughs> <laughs> the only one who's not hot is the redhead, and you know that he's supposed to be the funny character because he's ugly. So, like, that's what the movie is signaling to you. <laughs> but like, even oh. then, he took his shirt off, and I was like, his body he's is jacked. Up. Like, yeah. he, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah. I see you. <laughs> Yeah, really interesting though. I read on IMDb that um, the gay guy in this movie is one of the only two people from this entire franchise mm-hmm. that has died since then. Oh, that's interesting. Oh. Who's the other one? Do you remember? Uh, it's a woman. Is it Betsy? Betsy Palmer is dead now. Oh, uh, I bet. Well, they were talking about camp counselors, not yeah. like. They're talking about the young people. I, I mean, technically, um, Mrs. Voorhees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, at one point. <laughs> there was one I, more, and she di- that woman died in 2007. He died in 95. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I see Palmer, by the way. I love what she says about what she said about Friday the 13th. Because she was like a real actor, you know, from like the 50s and 60s. And she only did this because she wanted a new car. <laughs> so she says, like, I needed a new car. So, yeah. And I don't blame her. Get your money, honey. Yeah. You get that I... car. I love when these women who know their worth are like, I came back because the check was the right amount. Sigourney right. Weaver. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to do any more aliens, but they rolled out another check. And I was like, and I'm going to do another alien. Yeah. <laughs> Get it. We <laughs> all have jobs. You know, we all got mortgages and car insurance. and <laughs> The bill's got to get paid, y'all. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, there's a random line that's my favorite line from this movie, and it's when Jenny is playing chess, and she's like, wrong white man, and it's just so random and so out of nowhere. Yeah. But I wrote it down. I was like, wait, did I hear that right? And I put on the close captions. I was like, did did he? I think it's trying to signal that she's like an intellectual liberal, you know, like, yeah. She's like a social justice warrior of 1981, you know? <laughs> it just made her that much more endearing because I didn't catch it the first two times I watched it. And then like yeah. this morning I was like, wait, I I am hearing that. Like, I mean, yeah. we kind of know a lot about her because like we know that she's a child psychologist right away. She has very self-deprecating sense of humor. We know that she's sleeping with Paul. We know that she may be pregnant and or like her, there's like a storyline about her period coming or not or not coming. Um, so yeah, I think that she's a pretty well fleshed out final girl, especially for Friday the Thirteenth, which just hacks the people like they're garbage. You know? <laughs> especially this next one in the installment. I remember this. The third one is my one of my it's absolutely favorite. Unwatchable. It's it is like so it's like one barn in a mud pit. And it's just all excuses to show off the 3D, which was janky even at the time. So right. it's like oh, popcorn's gonna fly at you. Literally, 
like he's 48, like dating this 22 year old. Like, yeah. I can't imagine paying to go see something in 3D in the 80s and it being that. It's I think that so I'm... janky. I <laughs> wish I could have seen it, but yeah. No, I I had thoughts about it. Yeah, we'll um... get there next time we have Friday the 13th come up, but like, woo. So you're doing one movie a year? <laughs> How yeah. long do you expect to be on the air? Because there's um, a lot of sequels. Right? Like, clearly we have to stop before he takes Manhattan. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And if yeah. not, we'll just skip that one and be like, we used to have a tradition. It's fine. <laughs> Jason takes Manhattan. Jason takes a boat. Well, is more and like if there's more than one Friday the 13th <laughs> in a year, we'll do more than one a year. It's just yeah. it, We're doing them on a Friday the 13th. Right, like, next year we get to do two. Um, So three and oh, four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah, three and four are also choices. So we'll see what happens when we get there. Yeah. I remember it like four. finding someone who likes three. Right? <laughs> It'll just be me and Trent being like, yeah. well, <laughs> we are. We are. He was, was find an hour's worth of shit to talk about in this dumb movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> she cried a lot. We'll talk about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Just put up a PowerPoint of costumes and be like, I don't like these jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would listen to that show. I love fashion. Look, um, I. Some of the costumes that take my breath away are movies that people don't want to talk about. Like Crimson Peak. Is it Dutro's best? No. Ugh, are those costumes a mood? I yes. love that movie. I love it. I, I'm not here for a gothic romance, but I've watched that movie four times and I'm gonna probably watch it again. Oh, <laughs> I like I like gothic romance. I'm the only one who preferred Bly Manor to Haunting of Hell House, I think, just for the like the gothic y romanceness yeah. of it. I feel like people don't understand that genre anymore because it's so old fashioned that a lot of people yeah. aren't really familiar with it, so they don't. They're like, "What is the show doing?" <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I, I understand. Wanna, I think I'm gonna break down and watch *Fly Manor* because I, after the way the first season ended with the room being whatever they wanted it to, I called shenanigans and I was like, "No more." Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think yeah. we're gonna do it because summer's coming, and that's the best time to put on something that I might hate, but I might finish. It's boring. It's boring, but I like boring. I <laughs> that's why maybe I like art house movies so much. Like I'm, I'm, I come for the vibes and stay for the vibes. That's fine with me. You know, like some of my favorite horror movies from the '70s are just like beautiful people laying around doing nothing. You know? <laughs> that's the life I aspire to. Yeah, right? yeah. Right, where, sign me up. Where can I get right? that life? What you do today? I laid around on five pieces of furniture. I laid and... around on a settee in a in a shimmery gown and right? drank blood. <laughs> I switched robes three times today. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. one for dinner was devastating. Exactly. <laughs> so. Okay, I, at one point in this movie, I got really confused about where we are. Because mm-hmm. I assumed in the beginning that this was like the first movie and, and other films when they didn't deal with camps, that these counselors were there for like a week or two day, or a few days before the kids got there, you know, to kind of get themselves acclimated or whatever. But then I read a sign at one point when they were like leaving the camp house or whatever, and it said, counselor training center and i was like so is yeah. this a camp or is this like a program it's a training where you center paul training. mentions it in like uh one of the early scenes the scene where jenny shows up where he's talking to them all like on the porch it is like a training camp for camp counselors whether or not that's a thing that exists in our real world or not i don't know but that's <laughs> what the movie is suggesting for sure. i never went to camps so i don't know these things. <laughs> It's like very much an East Coast rich person thing to do in reality, mostly. And they cost like 25, 30 grand a summer, these summer camps. So, Ooh, damn. Yeah. Damn. Jenny's making yeah. some money. Yeah. 
Listen. <laughs> um, I I also just want to like give Jenny praise because she's braver than me. Because like during the chase scene, which is under the bed and the rat runs at her, I would have given it my oh, position. Yeah. You would have. Yes, I can't deal with mice. I'd rather fight a man in a burlap bag than fight a rat. Um, and spray it in my face. I would have screamed. I would have thrown the bed off me, and he would have been like, "Oh no, what is happening? Are you okay?" Before I kill you. That's a <laughs> that's a really good scare. I love that she pees herself because she's so scared. That I feel like not enough people pee or poop on themselves from fear in movies. And I love that he's standing on a chair when she. That's like a really good scare. But it's also like you have to take you have to pick like are you going to take your chances against a rat or developmentally disabled person with a sack on their head like i don't know which is scarier to your point i lived in chicago for almost four years i'm gonna take the person (laughs) (laughs) the rat's gonna put up a bigger fight (laughs) yeah Uh, we're definitely gonna have to just like fight it out i also appreciate that when she ran, runs in and she sees like the dead woman's head in the sweater she's like oh no and then puts on the dirty woman's sweater and i was i would not think of that either yeah well, that, it, that's like I, the child psychology background you know like you can tell that they're really color they're like really foreshadowing that yeah and then her just the physicality she uses when she puts on the sweater it's almost like she has to put it on but she doesn't want any of her skin to touch it so she's just like not really moving and trying to like I mean wouldn't you feel the same way Oh same <laughs> it's, it's it's very well performed is what I mean but. It is a cute sweater though I will say like it looks like come to garçon or something because it looks like a like a $1000 sweater that's purposely distressed and just just baggy in the right ways Mrs Voorhees knew her fashion She really did yeah it's the sweater I've been searching for my whole life and I've never actually gotten. And I, the most expensive piece of clothing I have is the Black Christmas sweater with the hand on it. I paid oh my $90 God, I for it. I want that sweater so bad. I, yeah, I call them like trauma sweaters or, or like anorexia <laughs> sweaters because they're very in in the 90s where the sleeves are too big and you're kind of just putting the sleeve over your mouth mm. in this like really demure way. Yes. Like very teen, teen sh- show from the 90s, 2000s. Yes. yes. I, I love those sweaters. I, I am on the search for a sweater that looks like I'm wearing a giant blanket and it's dragging on the floor and people are like, I can't tell what happens under your neck. And I'm like, that's the way I want it. What? I'm a 40 year old man who's still trying to dress like AJ from Empire Records. <laughs> like, it's not it's not great. I loved Empire Records. Me I wanted too. to work in a record store because I saw that movie too young and took away that. I did work in a record store because I and I loved that movie and I was like, oh, this is not like Empire Records whatsoever. <laughs> it's horrible. Like, once you do customer service, like it ruins like the vibe. Like, oh no, I, I don't care how that cool customer. the store is. There's like no store that is fun to work in, no matter no. what. Period. Hands no. down. 100%. I had a nightmare about going back into customer service just this morning. I woke up from the side. I, I can never do a record store. <laughs> I worked at Urban Outfitters in college in Seattle, and then I I didn't age out of this until I was in my mid-30s, but anytime I was in an Urban Outfitters, people would be like, excuse me, and I was like, I don't work here. I'm 34 years old. <laughs> like, but, but now at like 41, I finally aged out of that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's kind nice. of flattering in a way. It's like you think that I'm I'm 35 and you think that I'm young enough to work at Urban Outfitters. That's cool. Right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I always have the opposite. I'm forcing people to look at my ID oh, when I'm at like a bar or whatever. I'm like, no, you need this. Like, no, ma'am. Like, don't call me ma'am. And also, you need to see this. 
<laughs> I will report all of this. <laughs> I will shut it down. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I know that my skin is good, so here's my ID. Right? <laughs> you don't know how many times I've turned 25. You're going to look at this yeah. like... <laughs> I'm just going to own that I... Because I love practicals, I, I kind of really enjoyed, maybe for all the wrong reasons, Mike's death. Because somebody literally strapped a dummy to a wheelchair with an axe in the face and threw it yeah. down a bunch of stairs. Ooh, and that like, reminds- that's the way. Yes. <laughs> That, but also I wanted to say that for the Scream Factory re-release of this, someone found the thought-to-be-lost footage of all the original deaths because all of them were cut shorter than they were actually filmed. And you can watch them on YouTube. All of them are much longer and much grislier. Some of them are a lot cooler, like the guy who's hanging upside down because it just drips blood for a long time. And some of them are really weird, like Ralph against the tree with the wire. It's like, why is this going on so long? <laughs> but yeah, it's worth looking up on YouTube and it'll do like a side by side so you can compare the mm. theatrical cut versus the original cut. And um, Yeah. I'm going to do that when we get off of this one. Yeah, the dude hanging upside down the whole time I was like, wouldn't there be a lot more blood? Yes, like, there was originally. But also that scene is really weird because they use the wrong side of the knife to cut yeah. his throat. <laughs> if you're looking closely, it's not the right side of the knife. I was like, that was really easy. Is it yeah. that easy? I, I, there's a part of me that just like lives for the horror movies where you can tell it was like five friends and a couple buckets of blood and we're like, spent do some shit. Yeah. It's and it's like, yeah. I want to see the documentary because Shutter has like the entirety of the Camp Crystal Lake memories. Oh yeah, Camp Crystal Lake memories. Yeah, yeah. I want to. I've watched that, but I was like pretty drunk for a lot of it. Like I, I I tried to start every day, and I was not drunk. And then I was like, I'll come back to this later. Um, But I I think it'll be better than trying to read the book because I don't know if it'll have the same appeal um, as Mm. opposed to seeing Corey Feldman be like, "This is the shit that went down." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the good ones anyway. You don't need to stick around for Jason X. No. <laughs> I, I saw it for the first time, I think, last year. And I was like, oh, this is where this franchise went. I'm happy I disappeared yeah. whatever I did. <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like that and um, Jason goes to hell. And I was just like, we need to stop. Done. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get spicy. <laughs> I don't know if this is a hot take or not, but I think that the potato sack is cooler than the hockey mask and a lot scarier for all the reasons that we talked about. It makes him feel more grounded, more human. And it just is, is weirder. And, yeah. and part of that might be because the hockey mask has become so iconic, but it just is, it's just stranger. Even though I know that they're ripping off town that dreaded sundown, which is another movie that really scares me. My hot take is that the, the potato sack is scarier and better than the hockey mask. Agreed. 100% agreed because like it's more terrifying. I I think it's Edge of the Axe. Which is yes. A, yeah. I saw that one before I saw this one and I was like this is disgusting and creepy. I wonder what's under the bag. Let's do yeah. this. And so I was really happy Jason had to have one movie where at least one and a half movie I think where he ran yeah. around and not the hockey mask. But people make fun of it. People will be like, oh, two, the one where he has a potato sack on his head. Like, it's a joke to people. But I, I don't understand that because I think it's much scarier than the hockey yeah. mask. Plus, he's a serial killer. Do you want him to be fashionable and in vogue? Like, I know. Yeah. He's got a cute jumpsuit already. That Firiachi right. jumpsuit. Listen, <laughs> what are these shoes, Jason? What are these shoes? He's wearing a romper. <laughs> Right. One of the things I hope they clear up in this in the documentary would be why they chose, like, why what the thought process was with the hockey mask because i agree and especially 
being someone who is from Arkansas, who lives in Arkansas. Oh yeah. My my grandmother, who I currently live with to help take care of her in her older years, lived right outside of Texarkana. Yeah. When all that shit was going down. That's so scary. And like her friends would ask her dad to borrow his gun to walk home with. Like it was and so yeah, that 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 sack is just scary. And it's been used so many times, so I don't know why people think it's funny. Cause like isn't the mask and the strangers is also very similar, right? Yeah, one of them is. And it feels like it feels like something that somebody just grabbed. You know what I mean? Like, like they were going out to kill somebody and they just grabbed whatever was on hand and that makes it scarier to me. So that's my hot take. I like the potato sack. I think it's better. I agree. Same. I hope that if we have to keep getting these movies, he goes back to that. I think it's one of the choices that they did well. I know. Um, I agree. Although he should have, I do think he should have cut two holes in the mask for his yeah. two <laughs> eyes. Assuming that both eyes work. I don't know if that's true or not. But. Look, I could see it either way, but I would like it just for the balance. I think that it was called Groove when I took a theater course many, many moons ago. Yeah. <laughs> the person who didn't teach me about design was like, Groove. And I was like, yeah, Michael, whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to write shit. I'm not going to remember this. And yeah. he was like, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. So my hot take is for once, and Sheree will find this shocking, because Sheree loves to say that I love I love all the final girls. And I do love Ginny. I think Ginny is a very strong final girl. But in every Friday the 13th movie, after the first one, of course, I'm rooting for Jason. Like, I would, I just, like, that may be another reason why this isn't, like, my favorite kind of thing, because I do enjoy rooting for the person I want to live, mm-hmm. not the person I want to murder everyone. <laughs> but this time I was like, you know what? Jason, get up off that ground. Come on he, now. <laughs> he is pretty sympathetic. I mean, in in this movie because he again he's coded as sort of developmentally d- disabled. Right. So and because he's a little bit more grounded, he does you do feel sorry for him. You know, he's lived in the woods. He saw his mom die all those many years ago. Uh, also, just it's worth noting that the timeline for these movies are really fucked up because this was made the same year as the first movie, but is set five years later. So technically, it's set in the future because <laughs> it's supposed to be five years after the events of the first movie. Yeah, I think he's very sympathetic in this compared to how he becomes, certainly in the yeah. next movies. But the even then, in the, in the next few movies, except that third one, because I, you know, uh, <clears throat> but like even when he becomes like that magical, unbeatable person, mm-hmm. then I'm rooting for him because like these idiots are like, what are well, you that's doing? what the that's what the franchise becomes is you're rooting for Jason because the characters are so flat and you don't care. You're like you're in the end. There's like a camp element, a kitsch element of it where yeah. you're just like, he's going to kill them in these like really brutal, gross, gross out fun ways. And that's what you're kind of there for. Yeah. Like he throws a bitch against a tree later on in life. And I'm just like, this is what I show up for. Oh, yeah. The sleeping bag against the tree is yeah. so brutal. <laughs> I, I look at Jason the way I look at the newest Texas Chainsaw Massacre because people yeah. were upset, and I was I like, "Loved the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I don't care. I'm yeah. into it." I rolled in and was like, "I want a chainsaw and a massacre set in Texas," and it gave yeah. me that. So I'm good. Listen, um, my expectations were in the basement. They, you would have to take three flights down to get to my expectations. <laughs> so I was really pleasantly surprised. And I was with a big group of friends and we were all like, this is, is this good? Am I crazy or is this good? Right. And we all loved it. Yeah, I don't know. And then the Twitter response was so hateful and so angry that I, I, I shouldn't have been surprised, but I was. 
usually, I usually disrespectfully agree with Twitter most days, and I just yeah. I live with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's why I'm mad because they also hate it like the new Halloween, and I'm like, it's which I also 15. love. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. I didn't like the new Texas Chainsaw, and I've said this before. I did the one part I did really, really enjoy was the bus scene. I was like, oh, "This yeah. is fun." Oh, so fun! But it's then, like, for the season. none of what? the characters made sense, and the plot was a stretch. It's a bad movie, but but so what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, they're, they're I don't think it's good. Levels, they're different levels of bad because, like, yeah. you have like the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and then you have like. Um, Return to Horror High, which is over here. Oh, that movie is unwatchable. I watched it because you tweeted about it, and I was like, that does not happen. And I went and watched it, and I was like, this does not happen. I watched <laughs> that with Michael Kennedy in the depths of 2020, and uh, I hadn't seen it since I was a little boy. And one of my acting teachers is in it from college. And um, it's unwatchably bad and then it's so racist it like makes this incredibly <laughs> racist turn that like my jaw is on the damn floor i and i'm i've seen some racist shit from 80s horror movies we all have but i was like this really takes the cake this takes the cake puts it in a truck and a u-haul drives it across country <laughs> the house like that cake moved to connecticut with this movie like i was so shaken by how racist that was I, I was not ready because like you you gave it all you gave it all on Twitter so I'm responsible for watching this on my own because like you literally like you signed an affidavit you showed the whole clip of the face ripping away and I was like oh! and it was it was early wild. pandemic so I'm like I have to see this because this is not and then I was like oh no it's happening again <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that movie like twice now um and I don't know it's why so I hate bad. I've never seen it, and now I probably never will. Unless Don't I have to bother. for the show. She's watch always the on TV. End, just to like, yeah, you want you want the shock of it. Just watch like the last ten minutes, and that's all <laughs> you need. Because I was watching it happen, like, oh no, this is another poorly written black man, and then they were like, but there is more. But and there's like, more. Oh, but is he though? <laughs> right. Um, that uh, movie did introduce a funny line to my group of friends because there's a moment where a girl walks into a room that's full of bodies and covered in blood and she's like is that blood and it's like there's literally <laughs> blood everywhere and you can tell it's like a disconnect of what happens like from script to set where it's like you should have deleted that line obviously <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. I I might put that on the summer docket just because I need Ugh. other people to. Album It'll be like fun to chaos. talk about and to dunk on on your podcast for sure. Oh God, yes. Oh, um, it's a fever dream. Yeah. I so like my hot take is that I prefer this version of Jason because again he's human and he's youthful and we feel a little bit for him and he's not like this unbeatable force. I feel like we have a lot of unbeatable forces in the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of boring. It's the Superman effect. I mm-hmm. I, I want us to have stakes, and I want us to be like, who's gonna win? A hundred percent. It doesn't entirely make sense on like a real world kind of basis from the no. first movie, but that's okay. I mean, again, that's where the movie is kind of at its weakest is like trying to fit in with the first movie. Um, okay. But yeah, agree a hundred percent. 
No, I, I think it's more fun when I don't have the things, but I'm enjoying the ride. Because if I'm enjoying the ride, I'm not going to ask questions. It's yeah. when I stop enjoying the ride when we go to Hill and to Space, where I'm just like, but why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> who is this for? Her? <laughs> right? yeah. Like, who pitched this? I need to yeah. see this pitch deck. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, how did you get funding for this? Right. Hold on. I'm going to say Candy Man to Space. That's going to be what I give the world. <laughs> don't, just... <laughs> don't you feel that? It really sure. feels like someone was just like, I don't know, space, you know, like, like, like there's a conference room of like really dumb executives somewhere. Like, where haven't we taken him before to hell? I, uh, I worked on this show called the, the Netflix adaptation of a series of unfortunate events. And my boss was mm -hmm. Daniel Handler, who's Lemony Snicket. And he really hated working on the show uh, because he hated the Netflix executives. And he's like, anytime I think of Netflix, I imagine a conference, like a boardroom full of those, uh, like those wind pillow, those windsock people from garages. <laughs> he's like, I imagine a conference table full of those. And that's what I think of when I think of Netflix. <laughs> And he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> no. Hey, if they keep going up on their prices, we might have to have a little chat. Yeah. They, they lost a bunch of subscribers. It's been all over my timeline. I haven't read yeah. the articles. A lot, but... a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No. Wild times because Netflix Wild used times. to be it. And now people are now like, they're everybody like the else. Facebook of streaming services. Like they feel mm -hmm. sad and like old people-ish. And... Yeah. No. Yeah. And it's sad because they get good stuff every blue moon, but they don't advertise it. Like his house sat on there forever. And I'm still like, have you not seen his house? Have yeah. You not seen his and house? things get buried. I listened to an interview with the folks from Shudder recently. And they're like, we're really bummed out when we bid on a movie from a festival. And then Netflix outbids us because we know that movie is going to disappear on their platform and no one will ever see it. As opposed to being on Shudder where all of the horror fans have a chance of discovering it. Yeah. Um, and they're right. They're really right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad because, like, I, a lot of these movies do deserve better. Like, are all of them like a hundred stars? Give them all the things? No, but, a lot but of his house was. His house deserves everything, and it's not getting anything because of Netflix. It was one of my favorite movies of 2020 in any Brilliant. genre, any category. Loved um, it. And I'm forever, and like, there's a lot of movie critics even who are just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get around to it. I'm like, what is your problem? It's <laughs> so good. I, loved I it. We were, in 2020, we were all at home. Um, watching Netflix do, and you yeah. somehow missed this. Yeah. <laughs> you are a yeah. horror critic watching Netflix 24-7 for two years and you just <laughs> never got around to it. No, cool, yeah. cool, cool. <laughs> right. All right, y'all. Well, that is our thoughts on Friday the 13th Part 2, Netflix, uh, many, many things. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm no on drugs. It's, it's <laughs> We like to keep our listeners on their toes, so they never really know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, really. <laughs> this was the first time I don't think we've had any like out and about drag queen references. I'm sure there are some if I play it back, but it oh, wasn't maybe. just like. I, I don't know why I watch Drag Race along with all the other F words. So, you know, I've <laughs> yeah. got that same vocabulary, but I don't know. It just did come up. Sometimes it just comes out. We don't even know it. I mean, no. congratulations to Willow Pill. There you go. Listen. <laughs> We all knew she was going to be top three and then Cornbread went down and she was top two. And I love yeah. what she says about it. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's I, love, I love a queen that's aware. And she's just like, I want to thank Cornbread's ankle. And I was like, You're right, bitch. You're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, Prince. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Josh, for joining us. Thank you. What a pleasure. We'll have to have you back sometime. Maybe we'll force you to watch three with us. <laughs> yeah, I would love to make fun of that with you. No. <laughs>
you'll just get a link and there's no movie attached and you'll show up and then it'll be like return to horror high and you'll be like oh, oh. shit <laughs> <laughs> but yes also thank you everyone for listening um that is our friday 13th special we will see y'all next year with more of these in theory have a great time <laughs> yes and make sure you stay fierce out there bye bye